Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Period, the podcast for people who want all things real, raw and reputable where we smash taboos and break down stigmas. I'm your host Isabella Gosling and today's episode is with Elizabeth Payne. Libby is a 21-year-old youth activist with Plan International Australia who has worked in the period advocacy space for over four years now. During this time, she has written a number of articles for The Guardian and The Women's Agenda on the importance of access to free period products and the impact that the pandemic has had on exacerbating period poverty, on top of being interviewed by the Sydney Morning Herald, SBS and Triple J. This year, she was a part of Noddy Body's Menstrual Health Day and Period Poverty Activation, where she spoke alongside Noddy Body's founder, Christy Chong, and founder of Share the Dignity, Rochelle Courtney, on the importance of sustainable period products in the international development space. In this chat, we talk on Libby's experiences learning about periods, puberty, and sexual health whilst at school, how a high school project led Libby to become involved within the period advocacy space and now be a youth activist with Plan International Australia, the accessibility issues we're facing when it comes to period products in 2021, how COVID-19 has exacerbated period poverty, the flow-on effects it has had, and how reusable products can help how we can change the narrative and normalise conversations around periods, what impact Livy has created so far and what's coming up next for her, plus so much more. Now, if you are listening to this in real time, we know that episodes do normally come out on a Wednesday, but there were some mic issues due to lockdown in Brisbane for me. So I hope you can understand and still enjoy this episode anyway. Libby was such a beautiful ray of sunshine to chat with, and I cannot wait for you to hear this chat. So here is Libby. Libby, welcome to Let's Talk Period. I am so stoked to be chatting with you today. So it's so great to be here. I'm so excited for this chat. Oh, it was so lovely to meet you just a few months ago and I'm so glad to have you on the pod now. So I'm just so excited too. <laughs> Feels like such a different world from when I met you now in lockdown. Oh, no lockdown vibes, but that's okay. Um, mm-hmm. Having this chat's like a nice little brightener, so that's good. <laughs> Now, the first question I always ask our lovely guests when they do come on the show is what have they done to nourish their body today? So can you share with the listeners what you have done to nourish your body today? Yeah, well, randomly enough, I've actually started getting like sporadic headaches. So instead of just pushing it off, I had a Barocca. I took my vitamins. I was inspired by your post on (laughs) when you take a week's full of vitamins. I was like, yes. (laughs) Um, So I did that and then some water and like had a rest. And now I'm started to track them because I feel like, you know, you can't work out what's going on with your health unless you're like monitoring it and trying to do that. So I feel like I can do, I've done as much as I can do for my body. So that's good. That is good. And yeah, I'm the same. Like I'm like when I've noticed something, I'm like, oh, this has happened twice now. I'm like, is this a pattern? So then I track it mm-hmm. to try and see because, you know, you need that data, you need that evidence to, you mm-hmm. know, notice if something's just a coincidence or if it's regularly occurring. Definitely. And the doctor's just going to ask you to do that anyway. When you go. Exactly. So you want to be one step ahead and go in with the info before you even go. Definitely. 
Now, this will probably lead in nicely because we've kind of given a little tip already, but when we are managing our health, um, whether we're dealing with a chronic condition or not, we often have lots of things that help us to manage our health. So this is people, Mm -hmm. items, things, therapies, strategies. Is there something in particular that you would recommend um, for the listeners to add to their health management regime? I'm just going to be very boring and say therapy. (laughs) It's a good one though. It's good. Like I started this time last year, I was actually locked down that prompted me to do it. And I just feel like there's not enough information on that. It's really easy. Like just go to your GP or if you're at uni, you can actually get free therapy. Um, So I just think it's so important because you just work through all the stuff that you didn't know you were holding on to, which is, um, yeah, crucial in like moving forward and being a better version of yourself. A hundred percent. And especially with everything that has gone on in the last 18 months even if you don't think there's anything there and you go there and you're like oh I don't really need to be here I'm like 90% certain that one of the questions that you're asked will bring something up that you didn't even realize you were holding on to or thinking about exactly and I've always heard that it's better to go to therapy when you don't need it so that when you do need it you've done that groundwork and it's not as hard so yeah. Uh, yes, Today's exactly. as good a day as any to book in. <laughs> yeah. And that way you're so right. You've got that foundation and you've got all those strategies that you can pull up on um, in a crisis that you can help to support you and you're not floundering when you are really in a tough spot. Mm. Mm. Now I want to switch gears into some period chat. My favorite thing Um, And I would love to learn a little bit about what your experience was like when you were at school learning around, learning about periods, puberty, sexual health and reproductive health and what that was like. Because I know it wasn't that long ago, um, but it was a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So I graduated in 2017. So yeah, like what's that? Three or so years ago. Yeah, if we can math. Yeah. Yeah. If we can math. Um, but obviously I got most of my like sex ed um and um like puberty discussions in like 2013 or 2014 when I was in like the early years of high school. So I went to a public co-ed high school, which I feel like is very important to note when we're talking about Definitely. education. Um, so I feel like I got the basics. There was nothing that I feel like, uh, well, I mean, there's lots of things that were left out, but <laughs> like, and they didn't make any huge, huge gaps, um, except for consent, which is a huge gap. But I think we definitely covered like periods. We covered um, heterosexual sex. So (laughs) nothing kind of beyond that. And at least we didn't have um, like religion um, uh, dictating what we could or couldn't learn. So I was really lucky in that respect. But in the same instance, we were told about pads and tampons and that was it. So there was no sustainable period options. like nothing about cups even though cups have been around since like the 1930s like (laughs) they've been around for so long yeah Um, that just like baffles me that they have really like decided to make like kind of a resurgence in the last few years even though they like aren't a new thing I know it's a bit crazy um but I it's it's good that they like at least are like resurging now 
Um, but yeah, I just remember just getting that kind of basics. Um, and yeah, just, I don't know, wishing there was more or wishing we could have gone deeper into topics. Um, I know there were other, other classes within my year that got, um, packs from you by Cotex because obviously a lot of the big brands will sponsor the education that's sent out and they'll do packs so that schools don't have to make it up and they actually got like a pack with some pads and tampons and I remember being really jealous that I didn't get this free bag with pads and stuff which I think should have indicated to me my passion in this area if I was like damn missed out on some merch <laughs> but it was um, like leading you that way before you even yeah. knew it <laughs> injustice that I didn't get the free stuff uh, but it like that would have been great to at least for those who have like in a hard financial spot to be able to have like a backup kit or for those who hadn't got their periods that time I can't remember whether I had or I hadn't but just to have that like first period ready kit would have been so good um, but yeah, I know uh, people in other schools where their sex education was like nothing. Like we at least got different forms of contraception um, and we got like all like the sexual health stuff. It was very, oh, I don't know, um, a very scare tactic, nothing about stigma or how to manage it or um, like actual real world advice. It was very clinical, um, which is sad, but it looks like there's lots of progress happening and I'm sure there's been progress even since I've left school. So that's Definitely. optimistic, I guess. Yeah, that's a positive step forward, but you're right. There is a long way to go. What would be probably like the three top things that you wish you did learn about in school? Ooh, um, consent um, and of like course. affirmative consent. Um, we did respectful relationships in like year 10, but there's no point in teaching about that when you've already had conversations around sex in year eight or year seven, like that needs to happen in conjunction. And, you know, that it's not just yes means yes and no means no, it needs to be enthusiastic, all of that sort of stuff. Um, I think sex education that wasn't just around heterosexual sex would have been <laughs> great. Um, and very much needed kind of talking about how different bodies have sex whether that's people with different abilities as well um but yeah I it feels like I'm reaching for the sky with these which <laughs> they're just like it would just be like things. you know if we had a magic wand and we were like we're gonna fix sex ed at school these are the three <laughs> things <laughs> um and then from there look there's I could keep listing other things but I do think um sustainable period products especially like period underwear like far out that would have been so much easier to go through school knowing about period underwear in particular, just because it's the closest to pads or like reusable pads. Um, so, yeah, I think that, and that's not hard to do. That's not really breaking any grounds. And I'm sure even the religious schools would be able to be like, hey, here's different options. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of like a baseline thing that everyone could include um, as an option mm. when you're talking about managing um, your period with period products. So... Yeah, even just including sustainable options is like a step forward mm. if we're not wanting to uh, expand into those other areas, even though they are so, so needed. Mm -hmm. mm. And I know we've briefly touched on the injustice that you faced not receiving your free you by Cotex pack <laughs> back in the day. 
Mm-hmm. And you've now been working in the period advocacy space for over four years. So whilst you were still at school and you are doing work with Plan International Australia as a youth activist. So I would love if you could share with the listeners how you became involved in this area of advocacy and what sort of drove you into this line of work. Yeah, I my first kind of like maybe milestone moment was for society and culture in year 12. We had to do a major work. So I did my personal interest project on um, menstruation and I wanted to do kind of a bigger topic, but there's just so much to talk about when it comes to periods. Um, so I looked at like ads, like some, some like highlight ads in the past where they've just, you know, the one with the Superman and he sticks his pad, the pads. Yep. <laughs> this, like, yep the I know the one. <laughs> um, which I think was from Libra um, and how the companies are kind of perpetuating that stigma and that like periods are funny or they're really serious. There's no like everyday in between um, and how stigma had kind of is rep- like the fact that sustainable options aren't talked about. That's because of stigma as well and like stigma around um, the world. So that was kind of a big project that I could work on for like a year or so um, and do primary research. My love of research was born <laughs> through that project. <laughs> Um, and that was amazing. And that was because of experiences that I'd had of whether it was like leaking through through my pad and onto my school skirt because I didn't have like time to change between classes and our school um, toilets were always locked so that people didn't hang out in the toilets between classes and you had to go to the office. And so like I went home. It just from perpetuates shame and stigma even further. It's like that we're not trusted to be able to go to the toilet, which is just ridiculous. Um, So you had like two cubicles that you could use. But there was that instance and like swearing my friends to secrecy that they wouldn't talk to anyone about the fact that I had like stained my school skirt, which was luckily a dark blue and it wasn't like (laughs) very obvious. Um, But even the shame around that. And then another instance is we had a support unit at our school for um, students with different needs so there was a I remember watching one student with um, an intellectual disability I'm not sure um, what was going on with their personal circumstances but um, leave their bag outside the toilet block and just bring in like a bag that would have had pads or something like a cosmetics bag and I remember the secondhand embarrassment for them being like oh my gosh do they not know that by bringing that in and not bringing their whole bag that people will know they're on their period because everyone else would just bring their bag entirely or not at all. And that was just such a visual marker. And I remember, yeah, that secondhand embarrassment and then reflecting on it when I was doing that project a couple of years later going, why was I so like embarrassed for this person that was clearly like didn't have any shame around this topic. And I was that one that was pushing the shame onto them. Um, And that kind of was a moment that clicked and I was like, oh, something's not right here. Like, why have I got such internalised shame around this and we need to have better conversations around this. So, yeah, those were good, good things to kind of reflect back upon. And I've taken those through into the work that I've done with PLAN. So that started in 2019 when I became part of their youth activist team. Um, And like the opportunities through PLAN has just been 
amazing. Um, so I got to write a piece for um, The Guardian and that had like a huge amount of like shares and um, comments and I was just like, oh my gosh, this piece that I've written is like out in the world and that was my first piece that was published um, and since then there's been other articles and other opportunities but it's all kind of started from that personal experience and that personal shame and wanting to work through that and then ensure that others aren't having that same experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think like when you are working from such like a passionate space and it is so self-led, it just really drives it home even more and you just feel that more passionate about making change in that space as well. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, I would love to know why you think that even in 2021, we are still experiencing shame and stigma around periods and men- menstruation and just discussing periods in general. Mm, I think it is because we just think that we need to just talk about it with women more, especially like cisgendered women, and we don't include men in that conversation or in, especially in school we will segregate that conversation um, And by doing that, we're excluding, first of all, people um, that are transgender or that might be in the class that doesn't cater to their needs and they miss out on information. And it also means that other people aren't aware of what's going on because that doesn't pertain to their body. And then you get, I don't know if you saw them, but there were TikTok videos and um, women were asking usually their partners like oh can you still pee wearing a pad or can you still pee wearing a tampon and they're like no because like you cover it up and they're like do you not know that there are multiple holes like I don't and it just showed how um, yeah what a gap I know it's just huge like that there's something that's so basic that is so straightforward um isn't isn't taught and I think it's because we're avoiding talking about it with everyone those quote-unquote silly questions don't get answered and then people just sit with that lack of knowledge and then that feeds the stigma and that feeds the myths because it's like oh you're on your period and those things become excusable because they don't know like they don't have any actual information or like facts to work on so that stigma is definitely around not having the conversation with everyone in my opinion Mm, definitely and I think making um, puberty discussions like periods as well as what's happening in a cisgendered male's body to to everyone uh, at a younger age really can alleviate a lot of that stigma and shame because you're exactly right Libby creating that open discussion where we can ask those silly questions that aren't Mm -hmm. actually silly um, and get answers to them before we come up with all sorts of things in our head or we just, um, you know, go through life not actually knowing the answer and walking around with no knowledge about it and not wanting to talk about it. Yeah, it's a, it's a shame. But, I, like, hopefully, hopefully that will change and we'll start actually having those conversations. Definitely. And I think even us just sitting here today having a chat about it is, you know, moving that needle forward and moving us in the right direction Mm. Mm. now in May this year I was lucky enough to actually meet you in person prior to COVID flaring up again Um, Mm. and we got to um, connect at a Modi Body event all around period poverty for menstrual health day and you were speaking on a panel around um, 
the horrific challenges that people face in their life around just everyday bodily function, which is their period. And I was so moved by the panel and hearing what you and the other two women on the panel had to say as well. I would love to know that why is it that in 2021 we're still experiencing accessibility issues when it comes to period products? And I'd also really like to know just how the COVID-19 pandemic might have exacerbated this because I know it's had so many flow-on effects to so many areas, so I can only imagine that it's also impacted people managing their periods as well. Yeah, and I think we saw that immediacy in the first lockdown, even here with the panic buying um, and stock being cleared off the shelves, and that there was a lot of um, period products that were cleared off the shelves as well um, because obviously you kind of needed to stock up if you were staying home Um And that meant that a lot of like the cheap brands were cleared out. And so it was left with often the more sustainable brands, which are slightly more expensive to cater for that, were left. So it meant that those that um, were struggling or have a lower income or not on the verge of poverty weren't like that's now an extra $2 more that they have to spend rather than their kind of the baseline product. So that was the expense of them, um, but also accessing them if they were um if they yeah were sold out and I know people who are like truck drivers and on the road a lot of public toilets were closed they weren't able to um change products but it's also had flow-on effects internationally in a lot of spaces at least where um international NGOs are working so it might not it might be that they can't get products to people because everyone's in their home so you don't have a central point of kind of distribution um as well as that um people aren't going to school so they don't have that safe learning environment to talk about periods to learn about them um, and get products so it means that they're just using what they've got at home and if we're continually giving disposable products they need to be replenished it's not like you give a pack of tampons or pads and that's it you you need to keep providing that and I think in doing that we've kind of got ourselves in a bit of a trap in terms of, okay, well, what happens when we've got a global pandemic and we can't keep giving or like getting out to people to give resources? Um, And I'm definitely the believer in that's because we're not using sustainable options. And we've seen already um, in, I know, projects that Plan and Body Body have done where they've just um, given out sustainable period underwear. It's just fantastic. Like you can use that one pair over and over again. Um, it is in a line with um, maybe cultural ideas um, or, or myths around or just practices around what you can and can't use, whether that's internally or not. And period underwear just really suits that and means that everyone can kind of use it. And then once people have those, they have those for years. You don't need to constantly replenish that. So if we keep looking forward like that into the future when we're planning um, planning development um, and you sh- we want to be planning it with the people that are going to actually be receiving the products as well, which is a great thing about that project that I was talking about with Plan is because they asked, asked people, is this what you want and how can we um, make this better for you? And I've seen other projects where they've done that in terms of Um, designing toilets with people designing bins like okay if you're going to put 
you need to dispose of your pads. Do you want it in a bin that you have to lift up with your hand or do you want it in a foot pedal bin or would you like it in a chute? Like those are the sort of things that we actually need to design with girls in communities rather than just being like, hey, here's this disposable thing that we use over here and that's going to suit you fine. Like it's not, we can't just keep, you know, applying our solutions to everyone without asking them what they need and want. Oh, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, and that's so true. And I think people often forget that and they sort of throw money at the problem or throw resources at the problem that they think will help without Mm. actually thinking of what might happen next or what can actually be done. And so I love that example that you gave with the pads. So you've given someone a pack of pads or a pack of tampons, but there's, you know, 12 pads in there. Mm. Uh, and you need to change, you know, three or four times a day. So that's, you know, what, two or three days worth of pads. What do you do mm-hmm. then? Like, Yeah, it's definitely. not even a full cycle usually. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So actually considering what that looks like and then involving people in those solutions. So um, will period underwear work for you? Yes, amazing. Let's use that. Um, it's so much more sustainable um, as well just from a landfill perspective landfill Mm -hmm. perspective too um and then also the um like period product bins was something I hadn't even considered about Mm. either there's just so many things and actually involving the people who are going to be using those solutions just is so such a sounds so silly because it's like oh it's so simple but it's just such an important thing yeah, even in the design of toilets, like I, in our typical toilets, we have like a space down the bottom of the door and at the top for ventilation. But if you're using squat toilets, you can see under those doors. Like people, the, even the design elements around like the whole wash sector needs to be done in conjunction with particularly girls and young women um, so that their needs are being catered for. But yeah, the things we don't even think about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's things that like you and I just give like a second, no second thought to that actually make a huge difference to people's lives and how comfortable they feel and accessing services as well. Now, I know we had menstrual hygiene day or menstrual health day, which was back in May. And that's an important day to like bring light to um, periods and how people are managing their periods around the world, um, period poverty and all things to do with menstruation. But that is only one day a year. Um, Mm -hmm. And we know that like that's not just a one-off thing. So what can we do and how can the listeners get involved to make change around period poverty, um, helping accessibility of products, um, making sustainable choices? What can we do to get involved and make change? Yeah, I think the first thing is doing what we're doing now is just having conversations, um, talking to friends, family, if you've got children in particular, talking to them, the culture in which you educate your kids is going to shape how they're going to see their bodies and how they're going to see the bodies of other people. So that's really important. Um, talking to everyone, in particular men, um, when we're having these conversations so we don't end up with people who don't know that you can pee when using a pad. Um, But also being inclusive in your language, as I said before, um, using people with periods, um, period products. I'm sick of hearing um, sanitary items and feminine hygiene. Like, stop it. (laughs) Literally get in the bin. Get in the sanitary bin. (laughs) Get in the period product bin. (laughs) <laughs> it's I like I'm sick of the sanitation of it all like it's we're real people and they're real everyday experiences they don't need it doesn't need to be this 
I mean, yes, in some instances it's serious, but it doesn't need to be this serious. Just have open conversations. And that's something we can do to definitely change um, change the stigma. But then on top of that, um, we need access to products. So you personally could um, try out sustainable options. I think um, period underwear is a really great option, I think, for most bodies. Um, I'm not going to say everybody because I'm not sure what everyone's circumstances are. Um, menstrual cups are amazing. And I know there's a cult following around <laughs> menstrual cups. Like once you tried one, you like it. But that's not going to work for all bodies anyway, especially um, if you've um, possibly got vaginismus or any like other um, other health issues. It could not be for you. Um, but then also... Um, put your money where your mouth is, help those who don't have access to products. So I know like Plan donates period kits, Moddy Body's got their Give a Pair program, there's the COVID project which donates cups. Like there's so many places to donate, Share the Dignity does drives. Um, so if you see one of those um, donate, even some of um, like your tampon and pad brands will give a pack for every pack sold. So there's like so many ways to help out just by having a period um, and like doing what you normally do. So yeah, I'd recommend supporting all of those, but first and foremost, just having conversations with people. Mm, Yeah. Well, I think starting that conversation really does help to break down that stigma and can help to change the narrative for sure. Mm. Mm. Even just, I remember being a kid and talking, using like code language like we call, uh, we used to use car insurance. If any of my friends are listening, they'll remember. And it was the guys would come up and they'd be like, oh, yeah, of course I've got car insurance. Like, of course the family has car insurance on the car. But, like, that's the links that we would go to to avoid talking about the topic in, like, even period. Like, it wasn't, like, menstruation. It was even yeah. periods we couldn't use. So. Well, I would say, like, oh, yeah, we've, we would use red car, super um, – super sneaky there (laughs) um and say yeah I've got my red car um so yeah we couldn't even say the word period like that was primary school I think I progressed Mm. into period in high school but I can't remember but I remember in year seven um because in Queensland that was um still primary school then Mm. um we would all talk about red car and use that as a code word because we didn't want um the boys um to know and that's just breeding shame and I don't even know where that even came from that embarrassment or shame I guess it started from like you said when we're segregating everybody from the start so Mm. or the assumption that they're gonna say something mean and like maybe they will and that's just because they haven't been educated and they don't have empathy around the topic Um, I mean, you can, if they've got sisters or, I mean, we shouldn't like put their experiences in relation to women, but if they've come across that in their life, then possibly they've got more understanding. But yeah, it's almost that fear of what others are going to say before even knowing that they're going to say something and like that self-protection. But yeah, I want to do away with that, even though there are some quite funny euphemisms. Um, (laughs) Sure, but art flow and like things like that. Just like let's call it for what it is. Um, I have a period jumper. I'm actually wearing it at the moment. Oh, love it. Um, And I literally wear it like out and about and people like look at me when I'm wearing it and they're like, oh, and I'm like, just that's another way I'm breaking the stigma. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
But um, it's the small things. <laughs> exactly, the small things. So, and they can read into it what they may. But yeah, exactly. Even just starting by using the word, if you are nervous mm-hmm. about starting a conversation, just saying period and not calling it something else or like, you know, your monthlies or mm-hmm. your rags, um, anything like that. Just using the actual term, like it's my period. Um, and then, yeah, having a conversation just like we are. Now, Libby, you have achieved just so much in such a short time and I'm sure you've had many highlights, so I'm sure it will be hard to narrow down, but I would love to know what impact you've been able to create or what the biggest um, highlight or the most amazing achievement has been for you so far. Yeah, um, everything that I do makes me so grateful. Like I am 21, I'm such a young person in this space. Um, Definitely Muddy Bodies activation um, was kind of the biggest thing that I've done so far and in person. And being on a panel with Christy and Rochelle, like from Muddy Body and Share the Dignity, like they're powerhouses in like the period advocacy space, like true inspirations. Um, And I'm just like, I'm just this young person here um, who's done a bit of writing on things and um, has worked in the international development space. So it's definitely um, every opportunity. I do a little happy dance. Like I remember when I got the call for that, I was like at the train station, like, yay, this is so exciting. Um, And even being on this podcast, like being able to talk and for people to be willing to listen to me um, (laughs) is um, like exciting and I uh, the body shop does a lot of work with um uh, sorry the plan does a lot of work with the body shop um and so our last campaign was kind of like um got shared across the body shop internationally like there was like Brazil like a whole, bu- whole bunch of countries um shared our posts and my post was like of my menstrual cup like that I use that was not not perfectly clean like a that dirty plastic color that it kind of gets um and that was like shared internationally so um, it's, you know, the little things that you just, well, all you do is sit in your room and you're like, yay, so exciting because how else do you celebrate those? But honestly, every every opportunity makes me so, so grateful. That is so wonderful. And I'm sure there will be so many more opportunities to come, but I know what you mean. And you've got to celebrate them too and give yourself like a metaphorical pat on the back because mm-hmm. it's always so nice to celebrate those wins and when they do happen and that's just so cool um, that you've done so many things. Well, it's only only up from here. We're going to keep keep doing more. Exactly. That's it. It's only up and up and just creating more and more change. Speaking of change, I would love to know uh, what you would like to see change within the pelvic health space going forward. Yeah, I'm going to kind of reiterate one of the points that I made before but it's when we're doing international development work including people that are going to be receiving that aid in that planning process so whether that's designing toilets with women and girls whether that's trialing um, period undies and finding out what people want and not just like pushing our solutions on them I often see like quite a few kind of organizations come around in the period advocacy space and like that's fantastic um but sometimes it's not like more organizations but it's you know fueling our resources together and making sure that it's all thought through and you're not just kind of oh I can jump into this space and um 
do the same thing. Um, yeah, just making sure that we're not pushing our ideas onto people when that's not what they want, especially working with um, working with religion, working with culture, um, rather than, yeah, just saying, no, you have to do it our way or you're not going to receive any help because that's just ridiculous. <laughs> oh, exactly. And not just helping that one type of person and offering our solution is so important and something I would also love to see change because there's not one right way of doing things there's so many wonderful ways that we probably haven't even considered and Mm -hmm. you know just taking that little bit of extra time to ask people what they would like goes such a long way definitely Mm. now I know we were just having a chat about your achievements and what you've been doing but and I know we were talking about it'll only be up from here I would love to know what else is coming up for you, Libby. What's up next? Well, I've just finished my degree. So I just got my Bachelor of Social Science um, and I did a major in Gender Studies and Anthropology. So I've just finished the kind of theoretical work um, to complement my advocacy. But so now I'm like looking for jobs in the space or in research or in development Um, But likely I'm looking at doing my master's um, and probably on the topic of period advocacy or related fields. I'm just trying to, I guess, work out what's not known in this field because we have like a lot of, I feel like stigma and that sort of stuff is talked about a lot. Um, But working out where the gaps are, whether that's in trans experiences with periods and dysphoria or whether it's sustainable products and whether that's like a fad and or is actually quite beneficial um I think it's more beneficial but definitely (laughs) let the research decide (laughs) exactly um so yeah we'll see how where we go from here but in the meantime still you know doing what I'm doing and um posting a lot more on my socials about this sort of stuff because it's not it's not something you need like a brand deal or something to do you can just have open conversations um and talk about the products that you're using and the experiences that you have um and I feel like people really appreciate that honesty and transparency and yeah doing cool things like this with cool people like you and hopefully more of (laughs) I'm sure you'll do much more of it honestly and doing a master's in that sounds so cool so I can't wait to see where you go with that is there anything else you'd like to share with the listeners today Libby oh I don't know you put me on the spot there <laughs> Other than I just sent you all the questions but one <laughs> um yeah keep having conversations um stop stop using funny terms to talk about menstruation and periods Um, but don't be too hard on yourself. Like everyone's coming from a different place and not everyone actually needs to, you know, shout things from the rooftops, but just making sure that when you do have those conversations, you're not filled with that kind of that shame. Um, and yeah, looking out for other people who might be in, in different circumstances and not have access to pads and helping people out, especially in COVID. If you're doing any care packages for someone, making sure you're putting in some period products. Oh, thank you so much for coming on Let's Talk Period today, Libby. I have absolutely loved chatting with you. You are just such a ray of sunshine. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Period with Libby Payne, period advocate and youth activist with Plan International Australia. 
If you loved hearing from Libby, you can find her on Instagram at Libaby. That one might be a little bit tricky to find, so it's at L-I-B-A-A-B-Y. If you want to keep updated with all things Let's Talk Period, you can follow us on Instagram at Let's Talk Period AU. Let's Talk Period is an independent podcast, so if you did enjoy this episode and do want to support the show, it would be amazing if you could subscribe if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, so tapping the purple button and leaving a rating and review, or if you're listening along on Spotify, tapping the green follow button to support the show. If you want to help grow the Let's Talk Period community, you could share an episode with a friend or family member or anybody who you think might enjoy listening to the show. You could even share that you're listening on Instagram stories. This really helps to find new listeners and build our podcast community. Plus, I absolutely love seeing how you listen along to the show. Let's Talk Period is produced for educational purposes and the information, recommendations and topics talked about does not constitute medical advice or take into consideration your personal circumstances or medical history. 